When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Hey everyone, welcome in to another edition of the Winning Plays Podcast. My name is Brian Robb. I am joined uh, for the first time in a little bit by the one and only Michael Pina, fresh off of killing it for GQ for the last, for pretty much the, the entire logout period. But before I talk to him, we have to hand out a congratulations to new pop rich levine um everyone family and little one are doing well at home so yes the winning winning plays applause um from mike uh mike give you words of wisdom for rich before uh we get into the pod uh as someone who is not a father no i i i have no um words of wisdom no advice but Rich is a wise one, and I'm sure he'll do a wonderful job over the next uh, rest of his life, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously Rich is, and we talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago, but Rich will be on, on dad duty for the next uh, several weeks. Ryan Bernardoni has been graciously pinch hitting as a guest co-host as well. Um, Mike will be able to be in as well as the off season gets going here too. Um, but Mike, we have a... We're, we're heading into what could be a very quick NBA offseason here. You know, I think some of us thought we would be waiting around till, till February or March initially when the season ended. That quickly has turned into uh, potentially starting before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, but we haven't talked to you since the Celtics season has, came, has come to a close. And there has been a lot of scuttlebutt in the last several weeks about what this team should do. Um, we obviously have dissected – Gordon Hayward trades to death here in the last week, um, along with other scenarios. Uh, take us back to reality here to start. Where where do you see this team is at heading into this offseason? What you know? What do you want to see um, based off how this thing ended in Orlando for them? I mean, I I don't know if I'm in the majority or the minority or what the the vibes are right now um everything i read is usually geared towards they need uh an upgrade of some kind you mentioned the gordon hayward trades um and uh, you know uh packaging draft picks and trying to add an uh, an impact player right away <clears throat> i mean personally i kind of just am fine with gordon uh opting in to his contract and uh, Jalen Brown being better, Kemba Walker being healthy, uh, Marcus Smart being Marcus Smart. And I guess so then, like, the number one priority for me would just be to sign Jason Tatum to a five-year maximum contract. And uh, you hopefully you get that fifth year with no player option, and you're able to negotiate that in there. And then you just are a contender next season – through uh your internal improvement and so i think just building around the margins maybe adding um 
you know, wisely using your, uh, I think it's going to be the taxpayer mid-level, right? Like $5.7 million, somewhere around there. We don't really know the exact figures right now because the NBA is in a tornado. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just, I, you know, there's a lot of first round picks. So maybe you want to trade up. Maybe you want to trade back um, into later drafts. I don't know what their mentality is going to be. They obviously need to worry about the luxury tax going forward with Jason Tatum about to make all the money he's about to make. Um, But I don't really see, like, there's nothing major that needs to happen, in my opinion. Yeah, so I agree. I mean, I think that's the most likely path just based on, you know, the Hayward situation in terms of where he and where this buzz that was talked about by Zach Lowe last week, um, you know, amounts to whether that's just simply his agent testing the market um, and finding out there's not much there or whether Hayward actually wants to, you know, play somewhere else beyond next season. If that, if that happens, then, you know, I do think you have to look into moving him if he is not going to be around, um, you know, beyond next season. And he makes that clear. But other than that, I think you're, your path is the the most direct one. So I think it comes down to fortifying the bench a lot and figuring out, you know, you have between the draft picks and some younger players on the roster, you do have a few chips to play left. And they're important ones because you're, I mean, the, the draft treasure chest of assets runs out in two months. Like you have no more extra first round picks after this draft. So would you, and I feel like, do you, for, trading out for future picks i feel given that you know the high school players are going to come into play in the next couple of years i feel like teams probably aren't going to want to trade future picks for ones in what's supposed to be uh, like mediocre draft here uh potentially yeah i mean that might be a tough one to swing for sure um but i just think that how they're financially set up right now um you're going to need value out of like rookie deals going forward, um, minimum contracts and rookie deals. So like, I don't know how you hit and maximize the value on these picks, but it would just be a real, like, I don't want them to go down the same path as um, the, you know, uh, Gershon, Yabusele draft where, um, and. uh, Ante. Ante, yes. Um, Where you're kind of like picking guys for reasons that, are uh you know potentially a draft and stash situation or something like that i don't know um but yeah i mean you're just gonna need to find value with these picks and it's not ideal in this year's draft from everything that like i've read about this year's draft uh to have this many firsts in in a draft that might not have the type of impact player right away um but they just need to hit with this draft. <laughs> it's pretty important. <laughs> so let's start off the bench though. If we're, if, if, if we're assuming that the top six are coming back, which I think is a, is a, you know, I'd put it at probably between 80 and 90% at this point, we'll say. Um, I think the only other piece that could conceivably move besides Hayward is like a smart. And I think the odds of that are very low for, you know, given how much the, the front office and ownership is a, is a huge fan of him. So who like 
this team has 12 guys under contract coming back for next year. There's obvious pieces to move on from in terms of like Vincent. Um, but beyond that, like who, who do you want to like, who do you want to be in the rotation next year coming back and who do you want to be counted on and who like, and what areas do you just want them to target on the bench, whether it is in the draft or free agency to like, cause there's, there's going to be a roster glut there and you probably want to make decisions on that sooner rather than having, you know, too many pieces on your bench that do the same thing. Like they kind of had last year at times. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think that in terms of who's coming back that I'm kind of excited about to see their impact and their improvement. I think both of the, I think Grant Williams and Robert Williams are two really important players for the organization um, in the front court. And then Grant Williams is just kind of whatever position um, he needs to play, uh, especially on the defensive end. So I think those two are really key. Um, And then Robert Williams, if he takes a leap uh, at the five spot and he's just able to, give you consistent 20 plus minutes potentially and in times where other bigs aren't playing or hurt or whatever. Um, that's just like a huge luxury to have with his athleticism and what he brings to the defensive end. So I'm excited about those two, I think. And then I'm intrigued by Romeo Langford being in the rotation this season. And I mean, it's really funny to like go back and think, about uh, that game where he got subbed in uh, in the bubble in the playoffs, and then he immediately he makes like one assist. I think he drove baseline and the great play, the play of the game. It was, it was, <laughs> it was a really smart play uh, right away. Uh, got an assist, um, but and then he immediately hurt himself and was not seen again. Um, so I think it was just like a really rough rookie year for him, but. Like, I'm not trying to compare him to Tyler Hero, but the possibility of having a rookie on your team who can contribute in a big game is real. And so, um, you know, the expectations aren't through the roof for him, but the fact that he was even in that game, um, subbed in in the second line, was pretty... I mean, that was you have to have a lot of confidence in him if you're Brad Stevens. So uh, I'm intrigued by him positionally and what he can bring to the table um going forward particularly if gordon if this is his last season upcoming if this last if they don't re-sign him and kind of lose him for nothing um or trade him at the trade deadline or whatever they do with him uh romeo kind of coming into that spot is pretty uh pretty fascinating in my opinion um given his pedigree and then like like, I don't know where, honestly, like in terms of finding a piece, I mean, I think that they would need another ball handler for sure. And so uh, I don't really know if that ball handler needs to be someone who's more of a setup guy or more of um, kind of an offensive spark plug. But that's the type of piece, one of the, one of the two, um, I think is the type of piece that they should be looking at um, with their mid-level um, if they do have a lot of faith in the young pieces that they have already in the front court and the two Williams, I'm, I'm calling them like the Williams brothers just cause it's like easier, but I know that they're not related, but the Williams brothers. <laughs> so where it is going to be, so I actually just wrote about um, looking through the point guard, like mid-level market and it will be, well, first of all, 
are you done with Brad Wanamaker? Because if not, we're if like we're gonna have some words if you are. <laughs> uh, I I don't want to say I'm done with him. Um, like, what money are we talking about? Is he coming back in the the vet, uh, on a veteran? Yeah, like veterans contract? minimum or slightly above the veterans minimum. So like. I don't think he's going to get much more than the veterans minimum, to be honest. So it's like that he, he can be restricted if the Celtics want him to be. Um, and I can't imagine him costing in, in this market, costing more than the veterans minimum. Like he's, he played well, but not well enough to get like a, a real con, a serious like long-term contract. I think it would be uh, interesting for from his perspective to come back depending on the other moves that they make like if they want to upgrade at that spot and add some depth if I was Brad Wanamaker I don't think I would come back to Boston because I want to play right um, so like what are what are some names I have a couple names just like off the top of my head but what are some names that you like some guys that you wrote about who you think could be valuable in, in that part of the rotation so this, if you're just looking at point guard, there's, if you're thinking offense first for mid-level mm-hmm. money, I think that the best name on that list conceivably in that price range is DJ Augustine. Um, a proven three-point shooter who can distribute is a size liability from a defensive standpoint. I can't see any team giving him more than mid-level. Maybe at this point in his career, he wants to win. So he takes a little bit less to come be, you know, play a meaningful role, but he, maybe he wants to start somewhere and that's not going to be in Boston, but um, that's probably the best name in terms of pure, you know, passing and shooting talent on the list. Um, I'm not sure if that makes sense for this team though, when you already have another six foot point guard in Kemba Walker. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's kind of interesting to kind of tie into this conversation, what's happening with the schedule going forward and how fast the season is going to be in the regular season mm-hmm. and how much teams are going to need to load manage their veterans. And so Kemba Walker is someone who I would doubt is going to be playing in all 72 games or 50 games or whatever it is. I think that that's someone that they're really going to be given the money that he's owed, uh, given what happened with his knee in the bubble and his performance uh, down the stretch of um, the playoffs. Like that's someone who I'd want to manage and kind of massage his way through the regular season as much as possible. So I'm not too worried if I were to sign DJ that would they be kind of like uh, replicating each other in terms of size and that's not what you want. I don't think DJ would be on the floor at the end of a playoff game regardless. So I'd be fine with it. I'm a fan of his, uh, had a little bit of a down, uh, shooting year, um, compared to his previous two years, but like, he's just a really good outside shooter, really like competent setup, man. Um, so I like that. I like that pick. Um, can I throw a name at you who I don't know who, I don't know if he would be available financially. It would have to take a pay cut, but, Someone who recently said um, that he's really wanting to prioritize winning at this stage in his career. Um, And that is, he's one of my least favorite players. So it's kind of funny that I'm saying this, but (laughs) that is uh, Jeff Teague. Yeah, he's on my list too. Um, Oh. Or just in terms of like mid-level, I don't like, I'm not even sure he's going to get a full mid-level 
Um, just based, I mean, maybe he just watch like maybe you get him engaged somewhere, which Minnesota and Atlanta weren't good places for that for him the last couple of years. Um, but it's he when he's Atlanta, on, he's I would throw out Atlanta. I, mean, Atlanta I would throw out Atlanta. Minnesota is where you look at it and you're like, okay, they were, and there are all sorts of issues going on there. I guess for him, if you want to just talk offense, he's an interesting piece. If you want to see a guy just die on screens miserably, he's also your man. <laughs> uh, very fair. Very fair. Um, that's a name that, yeah, I haven't been to, and he's getting up there in age a little bit, um, even though I'm older than him, which makes me feel really depressed. But uh, uh, he's getting up there a little bit. Um, and I, I was never even really a huge fan of his, like even when he was an all-star in Atlanta that one year. Yeah. Um, something about his game just has always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But it just, we're talking pure talent um, at $5 million for one year. Like that's sure. Like add them to what they have. Cause I mean, again, I'm just like, I don't think they need to hit a home run with whoever they sign. I think whoever they sign needs to just come in and like fill a very narrow lane of competence because I think that the, the heaviest lifting will be on, I think Jalen's going to take another leap. I think he's going to be an all-star. And I think that Tatum's going to take like a sizable leap. Um, so like the heavy offensive, like I don't need this dude to, I don't need Jeff Teague to come in and take 10 shots a game. Right. Like, I don't. So that's the kind of guy you're right. That won't be stealing shots from the guys you want. Like he can shoot, but he doesn't necessarily want to shoot. He wants to pass first, which works here. And so it's, and for before we go into more names, like I think the more interesting thing to me in terms of like where you want to use this money heading into free agency if you're the Celtics is like I don't mind Marcus Smart the point guard either. And so part of me wonders like okay if you're bringing in another point guard, then that kind of pushes Marcus off the ball more on offense. Or I mean you know you obviously it's never bad to have multiple ball handlers on the floor, but it it pushes him. A guy like Teague would push him away from primary ball handling duties when he is on the floor and i'm not sure i want that like with like i would almost be just as well being like all right smart i want you going back to running the pick and roll and setting up guys because you're pretty good at it when that was your main focus um but it is at the same time it's nice to have that flexibility when you know when you're, you said when you're managing kemba to have the extra pure ball handler that you know you can slot in there and then you can keep smart coming off the bench if you want well, I have two other names then that are kind of different skill sets, but are functionally similar positions. Um, one would be Austin Rivers, uh, who I don't a know if you're... Option? What's up? Player option for him? Uh, the max. The max for <laughs> Austin Rivers. Um, I, I, you know, I, I like his... I don't know what his market's going to be. Um, in his situation coming out of Houston and he played a very specific type of basketball the past couple of years. And it would be a very different brand in Boston, but he's a bucket getter, really good three point shooter um, or pretty good three point shooter. And like 
that's someone who can play off the ball, uh, has a lot of experience playing off the ball in minutes with James Harden. Um, and I don't know. I've, I, I, I think I really liked him the last couple of years watching Houston as closely as I did. And like, I thought that it was a mistake Mike D'Antoni made not to close games with Austin Rivers. I thought he was one of their better, like he, what he does for you dynamically is really important. And he's a pretty solid defense, like defensive player who gets after it. He's not a bad defender by any means. So I like Austin Rivers. And then also someone uh, who's kind of just a little slighter, but a really good shooter and can come off pin downs and stuff. And, and can you can play Marcus Smart at the point guard spot and have him handle the ball a lot is Langston Galloway, who yeah. uh, he's just a really good shooter. And you can't have enough shooting in today's league. So that's someone else I would, I would look at and see kind of what's going on. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures as well. Head to Bet Online today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, I think that's really good. You know, if they don't find that shooter, you know, in the draft, I think Galloway is, is a very logical fit in terms of just having someone who defenses have to pay attention to, which this team really hasn't had off the bench in a while or you know they've kind of trended away from it since the mm-hmm. the ray allen days um does does reggie jackson have anything left from what you watched with the clippers in the postseason um i don't think reggie jackson is like washed up by any means um is he a good buy low target um, you know, it's kind of an indictment that, uh, and maybe it's not fair to Reggie, but that Doc Rivers, after the Clippers were eliminated, said that the number one thing they needed was a point guard. And then, uh, I think Kawhi Leonard echoed the sentiment, basically like someone who could get the team in a functioning offense, uh, in a half court set and, run actions and so like i don't know how you view reggie jackson i mean he's nominally a point guard so it's a little bit of shade but at the same time he's more i think been more score first he's always Uh, been a shoot first guy wherever he's been right and i think like but i mean like he's like he's an okay shooter and as a spot-up threat he was pretty good with the clippers after they got him um I don't know. Like it's something about the shot selection and his understanding of where he's at um, in the hierarchy. I don't think it would be a good fit. That's a guy who could take, would be stealing away shots from the guys you'd want. I think like if like him, a Jordan Clarkson who I feel like is going to get mid-level money too. Utah could bring him back, but that's the kind of guy that I think they'll stay away from knowing that, the, for as much as he's going to help you in certain games, he's also going to, you know, keep Tatum and Brown from averaging 20 to 25 shots a night on certain points, which I don't think 
the Seas want. From BC, though. I mean, Jackson's for sure. Like, there was – your boy. The last few glory days of BC basketball was with Randy Jackson on the floor. <laughs> and it feels like 10 years ago because it was. So that is uh, – mm-hmm. Yeah, very sad. Um, all right. So that's – so those are, like, the offense first kind of backcourt options. Defense first, mid-level guys. Um, most of these guys are restricted. Chris Dunn doesn't really make sense. I feel like unless you're moving on for smart for some reason, which I don't see happening because Dunn. I love him so much, but I agree. It's just, it's, you know, smart at the beginning of his career for his jump shots. You're looking at a 30% three point shooter that really can't do much else. And I don't think, you know, that's enough of an upgrade on a Wanamaker to, to, to pull that trigger. What, uh, Michael Carter Williams, another Orlando guy, um, who kind of had a resurgence down there. Again, you're not. This is a this is a strictly a defensive pickup, but I do think the Celtics could use, you know, another guy like this for the right money. I don't think you'd pay him much more than the minimum, to be honest. Even if that, I maybe that'd be your only offer. Um, but he did seem to kind of figure it out in Orlando after a pretty rough few years around the league. Um, and it's, he is a, a Massachusetts native, so that would be fun if he, if he wanted to come back here. But I'm not sure there's enough opportunity for him here to do that. Yeah. Um, not a huge fan <laughs> of that. Um, I, my, my, you know, I think it's more just like uh, he reminds me so much of what I – like his ceiling as a player is kind of what um, Evan Turner was – a few years ago well, brad brad will love him get him in here then because that's, well, that's, what, that's what i'm saying is like then just sign evan turner right yeah. like so but i yeah and I, I don't think that that's in the cards um maybe it is i don't know but um not for the mid-level but no this would that be a minimum yeah. signing um yeah, i kind of i kind of feel like yeah michael carter williams getting the mid like i don't know who would pay he I mean he's a guard who can't shoot still like yeah i, that's, I just i feel like like yeah it'd be surprising if he gets over to the minimum from anyone like maybe he'll get like a two-year six million dollar deal from you know if some team wants to like divide up their mid-level or something like that but even that seems like who you've been a good size yeah but you get you i mean that's for defensive versatility is what you you, you get him for um but, um, and then the other like guy, and I'm not, he's restricted and he's not, again, this is more like a minimum or slightly above a minimum signing. Um, Javon Carter and Phoenix, like they have cap room out there, like, and he is a great like ball defender. He can't do anything on offense, but like take threes, but he actually hit a bunch of threes this year. I think he was like 38% from three. Um, that would be, I mean, the Celtics need another three point shooter. And if the Suns use their cap room somewhere else, I can't see them letting him walk because he's probably not going to cost much, but if they go after a bigger fish and try to open up cap room for him, maybe he, you know, slips through the cracks. Um, but that'd be a nice, just like defenses minded guy that can shoot some threes to, to put at the end of your bench. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't have anything against Javon Carter and I love that he's signed. I think I'm almost positive he's signed to Ann one because he wears the Tai Chi sneakers. So um, shout out to him for that. But 
it's kind of like this weird duality where you're kind of like, okay, the players that I want to sign, I want them to be kind of like stop gaps during the regular season for Kemba or whoever, um, you know, in case of injury, et cetera. But then also like, I need this dude to play really well um, in his minutes, in his role in the playoffs. And cause like we're trying to win a championship. So can this guy be on the floor in the NBA finals or the conference finals is kind of a question that I would be asking um, before I signed anybody. And I don't, I don't know, like uh, he's never played a playoff game in his career. I'm not saying that he, he couldn't, but ain't no in the bubble, Mike ain't no in the bubble for those sons. He had undefeated. Sure. Day. Yeah. No. And his playoff level no, that, game. They no. were the best, the best team in the bubble. They were better than the Lakers in my opinion. Um, <laughs> no. So like, I don't know, like that it's, it's an intriguing name for sure. All right. So here's the final grab bag of minimum guys. And to see if anyone, like, these are all guys that break in case of emergency end of the bench, but you want to throw them for five or 10 minutes in the playoff game. They might be able to give you something or just give you competent minutes. Um, your favorite guy, Brandon Knight. Brandon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Isaiah Thomas about, might be at the top of the list in terms of these guys. Um, is he on your list? Technically, yeah. Like, he's a, he, I mean, I went through pretty much all the point guards. So, we'll start with Isaiah Thomas. So, technically. <laughs> technically, he's on the list. I mean, I, I don't think you can. Um, I think it would be really nice to see, like, he's one of the most beloved like athletes period in Boston in the past decade. That's like a fair statement to say. Um, I think it's a little, if you were to actually bring him back, I think the, the great concern, at least maybe concern is too strong, but like for me, from looking at the outside, like he's leave, he left as this heroic figure um, who was deeply connected to Boston beloved um the leader of the team like after every game that's where the press is going that's who everyone wants to talk to and so if he comes back it's just like this weird chemistry thing could bubble at some point and that would be like my i'm not saying that it would or it wouldn't that's just like a thing that i think about before i would bring isaiah back and how I guess strange it might seem if it was even possible, but like on, in terms of like basketball, like who knows what he has left and who knows, I mean, I know he had the surgery. Um, I know he's working out in, I think Seattle right now. Um, I don't know how he looks. So yeah. I mean, you know, it's not going to happen like here. I hope (laughs) it happens for him somewhere. It's just not, like, cause that with the, with the baggage, potential baggage that you mentioned from a, just a, you know, a chemistry slash eyewitness standpoint. Mm-hmm. And with the, I mean, there's also, we're forgetting about like Tremont Waters is like waiting for a roster spot here too. So you're not going to like, you know, pick Isaiah, I think over Waters, a guy that you're, you've kind of groomed for the last year and want to give a shot to. Um, but I hope he, I mean, I hope the hip surgery did its job. I hope he's going to get a chance somewhere next year. It's going to be tough for him, to be honest. I think it's going to be really 
like 33% of players in the NBA are going to be free agents next year. And so when you look at that and the, I think the, the squeeze that a lot of these guys are going to feel in free agency, not even just to like make money to even like find open roster spots, because mm-hmm. if you just, you know, when you factor in the draft and everything, like that's guys are going to get squeezed out and which makes it even tougher for a guy like Thomas or whoever to get another shot. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see who, like, which, which of those veterans get those chances. Yeah, for sure. Um, how many guys do you have on this list? Cause I actually have uh, a big, who's really intriguing to me that I want to talk about, but if you want to run through yeah, some more. No, let's no, I, we're, this will be one minute here. I, these are the other names that are out there. Okay. Your favorite guy, Brandon Knight. Yes. Um, my boy. Yes. Um, the one that got away. The one that got away. Um, probably looking for more opportunity. So I'd say no. Um, Trey Burke, who actually played really well for the Mavs, a guy the Sixers probably could use in that playoff series. Um, mm-hmm. I, he's probably the only other. And then beyond him, Yogi uh, Farrell, mm-hmm. meh, another small guy whose best days might be behind him. Uh, Shabazz, Roxbury native. Would be a mm-hmm. fun story. I actually had a good year and with the Wizards. Um, again, another undersized, can't really play defense, so not much there. And then two guys that have no interest in Dovadova and Emmanuel Moutier. Um, no. So no. not like – not really an impressive crop. I mean, a couple – like Augustine, a couple of decent guys at the top of the list for mid-level winning, but I'm not even sure you're better off your – putting your resources here helps you too much compared to other positions. Like potentially a big, like you might have some for us on your hands here. Yeah. Um, I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for Brandon Knight for reasons we don't need to get into, <laughs> but you know, I talked earlier about Robert Williams and Grant Williams and um, I don't know what they're going to do with the five with some of the bigs that were on the team last year. But um, someone who's really intriguing, and this isn't like a surprising name, I don't think, to anyone who's been following this stuff over the past couple weeks, is Harry Giles. Mm -hmm. And he's basically Jason Tatum's best friend. Right. Um, He was the number one prospect in that class before multiple knee surgeries kind of derailed him a little bit. And when he's been healthy. Celtics favorite, by the way get the oh yeah well no just in terms of like going after guys that were highly rated in high school and saw their stock drop sure yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) the market inefficiency um so yeah just like as a big man who i i mean he's had a lot of health issues in the league he's played for the most dysfunctional one of the most dysfunctional organizations, different coaches, different playing styles, different teammates. Um, So it's kind of really hard to gauge just what we have here. But I think when you combine, you know, the player he was supposed to be with what he has looked like in spots when he's finally been able to be healthy and be in a rotation and in a starting lineup um, for multiple weeks at a time, his skill set is just like really impressive. And I love, and I know, I know Brad really likes as well, like bigs who can pass. 
Mm-hmm. He's a really good passer, really smart um, ball mover, and you can throw it to him at the elbows and he'll hit back cutters and stuff. He has a decent jumper. Um, and he's just a really – that would be just a really fascinating piece to have. And if you hit with him, then it's like striking gold. So that's so someone much- who I'm really fascinated. How much are you willing to give him? Are you giving him like the full taxpayer mid levels, so like six mil? Or are you giving him like half of that? Like, what do you think his? Well, I think some team wants to roll a dice on him because he's still only twenty two, right? Like, if I was, I mean, it get what it, where it gets interesting is like from his side, how long do you want the contract to be? You know what I mean? Like, how long before I get to hit the open market again? Um. So the number of years is really interesting to me, even more so than the money. Because, I mean, I would give him the full taxpayer if I was the Celtics, I think. Um, I'd have to think a little bit more about that and, you know, see what else is available. But that's someone who I'd be definitely interested in and exploring a little bit deeper, especially, like, the name of the game is keeping your franchise player happy. That's like really the most important thing that you have to do in the NBA right now. So if Jason Tatum is like, I really want to play with Harry Giles and you have an opportunity to make that happen, you make it happen. That's just kind of what it is. Um, So you sign him, he has a breakout year and then you can't keep him. No, exactly. That's where it gets tricky. Like how many years would you offer? I think how many years can you offer with a taxpayer? I think it's three is three the years. most you can yep. offer. So do you offer him, you know, a three year, what does it be like $16 million contract or something like that? Um, I mean, that's fine if you're the Celtics, in my opinion, I don't think maybe the third year is like a, is non-guaranteed or it's a, it's a team option or a player option or whatever. Um so I, I just think that that's someone worth definitely worth discussing in a, t- in a conversation like this. Yeah. It's, I can't believe the Kings turned down his fourth year option. First of all. Well, yeah, they're idiots. Sure. Like what the guy who did it is no longer there. Yeah. I mean, I guess that it's like, okay, we got to see that $4 million while you're giving like 22 to buddy healed. Um, and this guy is five years younger. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like the, there is, clearly untapped potential here. Um, Giles is a really good rebounder, um, really good finisher at the rim. And like you said, his was shot 39% from outside of 16 feet to three point range. Didn't really, didn't take any threes, but there is a semblance of a jump shot there. Um, So I could see him being a pretty, like that seems to be like a pretty good compliment to like Grant Williams at the power forward spot slash center Mm -hmm. with Rob Williams there in terms of like, you know, you can kind of change, mix and match with those three guys on a nightly basis, conceivably, um, depending on what you need in your offense that night, or if you want to focus on defense. Um, you know, you play Grant at the five, and you you go smaller. Um, yeah, that is a from a Tatum standpoint. I do think it will be. You know, if if, if signing Giles gets Tatum to sign that, you know, fifth year without a player option, then um, you get that you get that contract ready to go. I think if you're Danny Age, one hundred percent. Um, do you feel, what are your thoughts just generally about like the big man need? I think it's overstated. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you, where do you feel that feel? I'm sure you've discussed this many times before, but like, where is the point of 
they're needing an upgrade on this roster in your opinion? I think the biggest is just another reliable wing slash backcourt player that you can play in the postseason. Um, because I don't think you're going to get a meaningful upgrade. I mean, like Giles, I could see taking a chance on because he's young and you can, if you sign him for three years, you could get some really good value out of that. Um, but for me, when you look at what happened last postseason and it was like, oh, we, you know, guys got hurt if we had a full roster. Well, guys have gotten hurt every postseason for this team for the last three or four years. So I think you can't, you have to have, you have the opportunity now where you, if Hayward comes back, you know, you have a strong core in place, but you have to give yourself better backup there than just like Brad Wanamaker, who, to be honest, I thought like overachieved for a lot of that playoffs with his shooting and stuff. But then when push came to shove in that heat series, you really couldn't, you know, his flaws were exposed. So whether that's just a versatile wing, whether that's, you know, a true point guard that can, um, you know, shoot and distribute and not be a, a huge hole, like just someone you can throw in. So when the heat throw that two, three zone at you or whatever else they try to do or throw double teams at Tatum or whatever else, um, you don't have to be dependent on, you know, smart taking threes to like get you out of it. That's fair. That's all very fair. Um, what do you think? Do you think it's, would you rather have just the big and then like, cause I'm not sure if that, how much that solves your issues in the postseason, like a mid-level big. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting to me is just like, the watching maybe it was just the finals in that particular matchup um but one of the interesting wrinkles that i thought was on display in the playoffs um in later rounds in particular was like guys on the floor who were wings or big guards or whatever who could just get attacked relentlessly on the defensive end by having their man, whoever they were guarding was going to set a ball screen for Jimmy Butler or set a ball screen for LeBron or set a ball screen for, uh, you know, uh, Jamal Murray or uh, whoever it was. And that was kind of like how offenses were really like attacking um, in spots in for like big chunks of the later rounds of the playoffs. And so I think like what I'm trying to say is that you, whoever you bring in, you really can't have someone who gets just so exposed on that end of the floor. And they're not like Duncan Robinson was on the floor getting just brutalized, but he's also the best shooter on the planet right? or in the bubble. So that's, what's keeping his minutes alive. Um, I think that that is just a really important general uh thing that you need to be wary of um if you want to win a title now and if you are going to be going to uh the finals um or the conference finals or whatever you're gonna have to you're gonna go up against a player who's probably like lebron or like Kawhi, who will hunt down matchups that they want and so i think that that is just generally a, a big deal and i wish that the celtics did it more offensively against the Miami heat in the conference finals. But, um, 
Tatum was just too young, I guess. Harsh lessons. But you're right. It is. It's like finding and the amount of those type of guys available in free agency, especially this year, are are low. So they're going to be highly, you know, sought sought after. Even a guy like, you know, we talked about Galloway, like, you know, you hope his three-point shooting would outweigh his defense of Willis. He's not like a terrible defender, but he's definitely not a plus on that side. So you have to find just the perfect, you know, like you said, with Duncan Robinson, the guy who's, you know, strengths outweigh the the faults for whatever the mm-hmm. 15, 20 minutes he's on the floor when it matters. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so any other sneaky bigs you like before we move on to just the – some big picture NBA stuff to wrap up? Um, not really. I, what's, what's Aaron Baines's deal? Is that, would you, could you see something like that happening or would he cost too much money or, cause he would be really valuable. I think. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense from a seller's perspective. I would think he gets more than the taxpayer mid level. I think someone would give him like he made enough threes last year to, where I think someone he was like him. the MVP of the first month of the season, right? Which was insane because the Celtics <laughs> gave the Celtics literally gave him away. Um, but obviously, then he came back down to earth and injuries cropped up, which they tend to do with him. Um, so, I mean, the Suns, it'll be interesting why the Suns do. They could easily bring him back. He's good insurance for Aiton, he obviously fits there. Um, but they might have, you know, bigger fish to they want to go after um via trade or in free agency itself so if he does miss you know i he would i would go after him if he's on the market for the celtics um but i don't think he's going to be available to them at uh, a price that's they can afford tragic tragic um but there is i mean you look at the number of bigs that are out here quickly like you know bach is probably going back to toronto because they need you know if they're losing to Saul, they're gonna need him Tristan Thompson will be highly sought after. Derek Favors will be out there. Again, all these teams could re-sign, but especially Favors, I'm not sure they're going to – he makes too much sense for them now. And then I mean, my, lo- my love affair with Derek Favors is right. like Endless. astronomical. <laughs> it is. It's so deep. I I would basically react the same way if they sign – if they ever signed Derek Favors as they did when they signed KG. Like just – Derek favors just like the missing ingredient. Um, but it's like, but really when we talk about like bigs, you know, I, this is kind of a, 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 a segue into our next conversation, but like the Philadelphia 76ers aren't going anywhere. Nope. Joel Embiid, maybe, you know, maybe Daryl Morey trades Joel Embiid for James Harden and then you don't have to worry about it. But Joel Embiid is in your conference, in your division. Um, you know, they've gone up against the Sixers, what, twice, three times in the last, it's like four the last playoffs. Three yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's someone who, uh, especially, you know, I would imagine that uh, they are going to have a much better and more sensible supporting cast because Daryl Morey is now the guy making those decisions and finding those players and he's really good at accentuating his star power. So you're not going to just be able to double team Joel Embiid and he's going to throw the ball away. It's not going to be like that, I think, next year. And Doc Rivers is the coach now, and I'm a big fan of him. So uh, 
Got to worry about him. So we talk about like bigs and how the big man market isn't that crucial and you wouldn't want to spend too much on a big. I think finding someone who can bother Joel Embiid um, in the post without like in single coverage a little bit is like, it's integral. Right. And so that, you know, Baines and Favors would be a pretty strong one too there. Um, Tristan Thompson. Um, also could be in that mix. Cantor did a respectable job on, on Embiid, but that was with his entire supporting cast being gone. Um, so, I mean, Cantor's future in Boston is, I'd say, iffy. Um, but if he, you know, if he's gone, then you're gonna you're gonna have to look at one of the, those guys I mentioned. Or, I mean, can all the there's probably a bunch of you know veteran minimum bigs, but like none of them can, I guess to your point, none of them can really guard and beat or bother and beat slightly in one-on-one coverage. So it's like, um, it's tough to really count on that for insurance when, when you're in need them, it's not going to be very useful. Right. Like someone like just off the top of my head, um, like Mason Plumley. Sure. Um, intriguing, big, like, really good passer, et cetera. I think he'll be too expensive, A, and I don't know about his post-defense in a matchup like that, but... Biombo. Yeah. Is Mac Biombo. <laughs> that's, that's what you're looking at. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> so that's... I'd take Cantor over that um, if given the choice. But, all right, you right, let's, let's go to Maury to wrap up here and just the big picture situation with that. The I wrote about it a little bit on Boston Sports League. Like, like the the Atlantic Division was already tough enough, like going forward with Toronto, Brain Trust looking as good as ever, and they have some options going forward. Brooklyn with KD coming back and Kyrie getting healthy, Steve Nash, jury's out there, but you'd think that that's Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni, I know, right? Like the offense is should be sensational there, um, given the the brain power there. Um, and now you have Maury going to a situation in Philly that's a, it's a bit of a mess, but he's a pretty creative guy that can, you know, maximize a mess essentially and with a lot more resources than he had in Houston ever. And so mm-hmm. all this to me is just like, you know, the Celtics, the, the, the road just got tougher in terms of getting out of the East for the foreseeable future and, you know, getting through, um, that crew and then obviously Milwaukee and Miami. I don't really know who, like I can't, it's too early to, to order these teams, honestly. I mean, we're, yeah. it's before the draft and before the off season. So right. like, of course it is too early, but Brooklyn, it has to be respected because of the best two players. Um, and most predominantly their best player um, who might be the best player. You mean like Karis LeVert and KD? Know. Exactly. Yes. Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, and <laughs> um, Philly, Toronto, Miami, Boston, Milwaukee. Uh, I, it's just kind of honestly a toss up to me with how these teams are going to shake out in the playoffs. Not so much the regular season, but the playoffs. Um, I think the situation in Philly is not that terrible. I mean, 
if you're Daryl Murray, the first thing you do when you go in there is like, you got to move on. You got to find some way to get rid of Al Horford and you had to find uh, you, you potentially like, if I was Daryl Murray, like before I try to move on from Simmons or Embiid, I would look at the data um, from, you know, previous regular seasons offensively and see that they've had success before. It's all about finding the right pieces to complement them. And if that still doesn't work, then you can, I think, figure out who, which one you want to keep and which one you want to build around, et cetera. Um, but like moving Horford, what's really interesting is that Maury for the first time in forever has, he has a draft pick in this year's draft. Um, I think it's from the Oklahoma City Thunder because Philly's own pick is going to Brooklyn, I'm pretty sure. Yes, that's correct. Um, and then he has all of his own picks going forward. Right. So getting off of – I don't think it's – like, you know, Horford's contract is bad. Horford is not – you could easily buy into – if you're at – there's a lot – I think there's several teams around the league that would be like, that contract is not desirable if we're getting a pick with it and it's still, you know – Al Horford, it's not like a carcass. It's a player who you could be like, this guy was not in an ideal situation last year. He was playing out of position. There were times where he was at the five and they, the Philly was fine, perfectly fine. Um, still like a pretty good player. Uh, so I think getting off Horford is not going to be that difficult for someone like Daryl Morey. Um, I think... I think everybody else should like have their bags packed and ready to go. So I think someone like Josh Richardson would be a really attractive trade piece that teams would be interested in. And I could see him moving. Um, I could see Daryl moving. I could see uh, Thibel being attached to uh, a Tobias Harris with a pick and seeing what you can get. Um, Cause if I'm Philly, like I had, I could have won the title with Jimmy Butler as my third guy. So if I'm, <laughs> why are you shaking your head? Well, Sammy, it's true. It's like, it's like you, you, you literally, you traded away, you gave away Jimmy it's, Butler yeah, or Josh Richardson, yeah. Horford and Harris for like twice the money, which is just screwed you up on so many levels. It, yeah. So if I can just rewind and I'm not going to get Jimmy again, but like, Honestly, that team could win the title if they had a bunch of like competent shooting and CJ McCollum as the third guy. Honestly, like a team could easily win the title if Joel Embiid bought in and if, um, I guess just Ben Simmons kind of, I'm not going to say learn how to shoot, but <laughs> is just his, himself, honestly. And he's, he's this, uh, you know, if he's like playing like one of the best defensive players in the NBA, which he is, like, I don't know. I I think that with enough spacing, like which is easier said than done, to add around those pieces. But with spacing, it could be like a devastating team. I I think like the whole going big idea, like that's just that was a one and done situation. Daryl Moore is going to invest in shooting. Um, he's going to invest in uh, I would imagine some more ball handling, and he's going to. Imagine that, a point guard in Philly. Like, that would be... Yeah, it'd be great. They're probably going to get one. Um, And, like, all you got to do, honestly, like, I've said this before, but 
everyone talks about Ben Simmons need to shoot. And I think he needs to shoot. That's straight up in the playoffs. It's just a different ball game. If you want to be a primary ball handler, but, but like they would be so much better if doc rivers went to Joel and beat him. was like, guess what? You're not shooting from the mid range. Like that's, gone from your diet and this is what we're investing in and this is what we're going to prioritize going forward like all of a sudden their offense is that much because those are all wasted possessions they just are and so you take those away Joel Embiid is such a special player uh, I just think like you can't count out Philly I don't think Philly will look anything like they did last year and that's I think a scary you and they still with the amount of talent they have with your top two guys that's a scary proposition because they have never been effectively utilized, I think, you know, during their breakout, to your point. Yep, and that is why uh, when you're in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Miami Heat, you should have probably beat yeah. the Miami Heat because yeah. everything changes every year so dramatically in the NBA. It's true. And soon enough, we should be able to analyze what that NBA season next year will actually look like um, recording this on Friday now. And um, at some point, hopefully by the end of next week, maybe by the time you listen to this day of, you know, the league and the player association will have settled on a schedule and free agency numbers and all that good stuff. But we'll, um, we'll be revisiting that um, in the upcoming weeks here as we get you ready for the draft and free agency on the wing plays pod. In the meantime, uh, Hit us up at Winning Plays Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can get Mike at Michael V. Pina on Twitter. I'm at, at Brian T. Rob. And make sure you rate, review, subscribe to the Winning Plays Podcast because if you're listening right now, then you really should be, you know, keeping track of this because you made it. Um, that's about it, Mike. We'll get back. You think this is going to get done over the weekend or early next week? When do you think we're going to actually have some? some hard numbers to talk about from the, the league-wide perspective. Uh, I would imagine like next week you have to, because if the season starts on the 22nd of December training camp, what like it just like, it, it, this, like teams need to be ready, rearing to go December 1st. So yeah, <laughs> I would imagine that we got to get something going sooner than later. Lakers are going to show up to training camp on like December 15th and just play their G League for the first two weeks of the regular season. That's the mm-hmm. prediction here. But okay, everyone <laughs> on their roster except LeBron James. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for us. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, and we will catch you guys next week.